0: Amen. All right. Again, a special welcome to those that are here in person, whether you're here or in one of our overflow spaces. We are so glad that you're here with us connecting. I'm also wanting to welcome all those watching live right now in Woodbridge. Come on, would you welcome our family over in Woodbridge? Pastor Leslie, the entire team, we're so glad that you're here, that you're watching, and that we could be together this morning. And last but not least, our church online family watching from all over the state and some people from around the world. Come on, church, real loud, let's welcome them. We're so glad that you're with us as well. We hope that we could see you. If you're here and near and can get here, we hope we could see you one Sunday very soon here or in Woodbridge. But uh, we're so glad that you're tuned in and joining us this morning. Before we get into God's Word, I want to just share uh, a quick announcement about next weekend. Next weekend, for all the dads, let me hear the dads. Where are the dads in the room? Come on, dads. Come on, I'll try it one more time. Uh, Where are the dads in the room? Are you here? All right. Yeah, come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, if, it was, if I was telling you about your favorite sports team, you guys would stand to your feet start going crazy. Uh, we're glad, men, that you're here. We're glad that you, uh, our fathers, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that God has gifted us with you in our lives. And uh, we are excited. We want to honor you. Next Sunday morning is Father's Day at Evangel. We have some giveaways. We have some fun. We hope you'll join us for a special Sunday. But men, uh, and especially fathers, there's something special coming up next Saturday. Someone say Saturday. At 8 a.m., say 8 a.m., some of you are like, you lost me at 8 a.m., pastor. Someone said, I think someone said 8 p.m. because they wanted it to be 8 p.m. 8 a.m., we have a men's breakfast coming up next Saturday morning. First one in a year and a half we've been able to have. So we're excited to be having that. It's going to be here in Scotch Plains. So if you're watching in Woodbridge or online, we have an outdoor overhang area where we're going to be able to be hanging out outdoors. The food is going to be amazing. The connection is going to be great with other men and brothers uh, being together. But. Also, we're going to have a great speaker that's speaking about the power of fatherhood and the impact of that, and you just don't want to miss out. I know it's going to be an incredible time together. So join us next Saturday morning, 8 a.m., or uh, next Sunday. If you want to be a part of that breakfast, go to evangelchurch.com, sign up so we could save a seat for you. All right, are we ready to get into God's Word this morning? Amen. Um, man, this series that we're in right now, uh, is something that's very close to my heart because this is at the heart of who we are as a church. Let me go further. This is at the heart of who I believe we're called to be as followers of Jesus. And uh, this is one of our values as a church. This is how serious, uh, you know, the topic we're talking about this month is. And we're spending four weeks in the month of June on this. The title of our series is We Live on Mission. Amen? Amen. And so what does that mean? Here's what it means, that as the church and as Evangel Church, we are called to live out the mission that Jesus has given to his followers. Do you know that Jesus has given us a mission? Okay, about 12 of you do know that. I'm hoping everyone from Woodbridge knows it. Um, Turn to your neighbor and say, we have a mission. Come on, say he's given it to us. We have a mission, and we're called to that to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, to see people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We exist as a church so that those that are far from Jesus can experience him, so that we can then grow and we can share that love across the street and around the world. And so this series is helping us to understand how, how can we live on mission And to help us understand that, we have four principles that we're going to unpackage during this month of June that are going to spell the word live, L-I-V-E, and they will teach you how to live on mission. I want to let you know that if you want to dive deep into this series with us and make the most of it, we do have some devotionals that we've been putting out. Has anyone been able to take part in those devotionals so far, Um, diving in or being a part of our small groups? If you'd like to get them uh, right on your phone or emailed to you or texted to you, You can just send us a text message. Text the word LIVE, L-I-V-E, to the same phone number you received earlier today, 908-325-5163. If you just text the word LIVE to us, we'll send you those devotionals. And that's something you could read every day this week to learn more about the principle that I'm going to share with you. And then next week, you'll be able to dive deep into that principle as well. So um, let's jump into God's Word. If you have your Bibles, open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, it's found in the New Testament. We're going to start here, then we're going to find ourselves in the message going over to John chapter 4, if you want to put a placeholder there. But we're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Last week, I introduced you to the very first principle on how to live on mission, and the first thing we have to do is be led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. I want you to know, as I said before, evangelism, the idea of sharing and helping others to experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus, it is a spirit-led endeavor. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us into all truth. That's what Jesus said. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, he'll lead you into all truth. He said in the book of Acts chapter 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you'll be my witnesses. Doing what? Living on mission across the street and around the world. So we need to rely on the leading, the guidance, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Some people have reduced the idea of the work of the Holy Spirit to just making us feel good in a sanctuary or in a service. That, man, if I could really feel the Spirit of God moving when the song is singing and whenever we're, we're really getting into things, and then the Holy Spirit's working. But do you know he wants to work I would say even more when you walk out the doors of this church. He wants to lead you and guide you and speak to you and bring you into places and relationships where Jesus can enter into the lives of people. So it is a spirit-led endeavor. So we must be surrendered, yielded, and when we are, God does amazing things through our lives. But today we're getting into a, into a principle that I believe, can unlock everything for us. I believe today what we're going to talk about has the power to change your life. But I believe that what's going to happen for some of you, just like my sister that shared with me between services, is the Lord's going to open your eyes to see something you didn't see before. And what's amazing is it's happening all around you and right in front of you. This is something that I believe as, as believers, if you've been in the church or maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, we can become conditioned to become blind to this. And I don't want us to. I want us to wake up. Turn to your neighbor and say, wake up. We want to wake up and we want to see what God wants us to see today. And I believe God's going to call us into something powerful. And if we catch what God's word is telling us today, it's going to make an eternal difference. Eternal. I'm using that word eternal difference in the lives of people that you know. So, Lord, speak to us today. Lead us and guide us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's take a look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. As we're setting this up, I want to just help you understand what's going on for when we jump into this uh, few verses of Scripture. There's a man named Paul. Paul is a follower of Jesus. He's someone that's passionate about sharing Jesus with those around him. He's called an apostle, which means sent one, where he would go and, like a missionary, go all around the known world at the time, sharing about the hope of Jesus, the good news, That, man, we've sinned, but there's hope. And Jesus can forgive you of your sins because he died and rose from the grave. So the Apostle Paul is passionate about this. Not only that, he went on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. So the book of uh, Corinthians that you were reading from today is one of the letters that he originally wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so this man who is used so powerfully, he wasn't always a follower of Jesus. In the book of Acts, we actually learn that he's someone that persecuted, came against, and was an enemy of anyone that followed Jesus and of Jesus himself but God got a hold of his life. Amen. Praise God. I feel like that's my story. I was an enemy of God's. I was so against, I was an atheist, but God got a hold of my life. Amen. I I pray I can continue to run forward with that same passion we see the Apostle Paul had in his life. So the Apostle Paul started different churches and would go and travel around, but sometimes we learn there's something called church drama. You don't know about church drama, do you? (laughs) You've been in church, you know about that. Um, And the church in Corinth had a lot of church drama going on. In fact, they were accusing the Apostle Paul of stuff. The guy who they looked up to, they're now pointing out and saying, hey, he's doing this, and what's he doing? He's doing some weird thing. So they're beginning to come against the Apostle Paul. And part of what they're saying is they're saying, look at this guy. When he's with the Jewish people, he's acting very Jewish. He's like eating with them and kosher and all that. But then he'll be over here with the Gentiles. That don't follow the Jewish law and they're eating some pork, they're eating some ribs, they're enjoying. It, and he's just like sitting with them and he's just pretending like he's not even Jewish. Are you with me right now? And then he's over here with this other group of people, and everyone's pointing at the other group. There's some people in Corinth. They were Jewish and now they're believers in Jesus, and they still care about those traditions. And they're looking over there and saying, "Man, look at this guy. Is he a hypocrite? Is he compromising?" Do you get the scene? Do you understand what I'm talking about today? You never thought of anyone else like that. But they thought of him like that. And so the Apostle Paul, in writing a letter to them, has to address this issue. He has to give them the why behind what they're seeing. He has to help them understand the purpose for what seems peculiar to them. And this is where that key is found for this principle we need to dive into today. So let's just take a look at this right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19-23. through 23. It says this, even though I am a free man with no master, that's the Apostle Paul said, I'm free, guys. I have become a slave to all people, say all people, to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew. Why? To bring the Jews to Christ. And when I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I'm not subject to the law. I did this, so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. And then when I'm with the Gentiles, and all the Jew, oh, the Gentiles, who do not follow the Jewish law, I too lived apart from that law. Why? So I could bring them to Christ. He said, but I did not ignore the law of God. Don't miss this. I didn't ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share in their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. Somebody say everyone. Doing everything. Somebody say everything. I can to save some. I do everything. Say everything. To spread the good news and share in its blessing. Oh, Lord. Help us to get this. Help us to understand this. Oh, Lord. Just tear away at anything that would stand in the way, Lord God, of us living the way you've called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. So we get the why now. Paul says it over and over and over again. Why are you over here acting this way? Why are you over here acting that way? The Apostle Paul said, I'm doing it all because I want to bring them to Jesus. I'm doing everything I can here because my life is about sharing the good news of Jesus with the weak, with the Gentile, with the Jew, with Everyone I can to bring as many as I can into a life-changing relationship with him. He said, I do it all. Now, here's the key. Buried right in this passage, the Apostle Paul uses this term that we see here that is a key to unlock it all. He said, what am I doing? I'm not compromising. I'm I'm not acting inconsistent. What I'm doing, he said, I try to find common ground, say common ground, with everyone. Doing everything I can to save some. Some of your translation, he says this, I've become all things to all people in order to save some. I've done everything I can. And that's what I'm doing. When you look at me and you're saying whatever you're saying, it's me finding common ground. This is the second thing we have to do if we're going to live on mission. We have to learn how to identify common ground. We're led by the Spirit. We have to identify common ground. This is where things get messy. This is where things get sticky. This is where we can get stuck, church, if we're not careful. Are you with me? So let's understand what is common ground. I found a great definition by someone named John A. Studebaker. He's a doctor, has written on this subject. He's a believer. Here's what he writes, and I want you just to take notice of this. You could read along with me. It's a long definition. But it says, common ground can be defined As those areas of like needs, concerns, and beliefs between believers and non-believers through which meaningful dialogue can develop and the communication of the gospel can proceed. He goes on to say, Like an engineer who builds bridges in order to connect roads and landmasses, so Christians construct relational bridges between themselves and non-believers in order to pave the way for the hearing of the gospel. Do you got it? This is common ground. The easy way for for me to say this to you today in, in this message is this. Common ground is the place where God has planted you to make a difference in the lives of others. It's the places, it's the passions It's the personality, it's the hobbies, it's the experiences, it's part of what makes you you that isn't just you, it's the common ground that you can connect with someone else over so that their life might be changed by Jesus. You know, when we think about areas of common ground, I want to just give you a few ideas of what those could look like. It could be your workplace. You'll see kind of a list here. It's not meant to be exhaustive, but it's, um, you know, different locations maybe that you live, where you work, your children, their ages, the kind of food that you like, uh, community involvement, maybe some pain that you've been through, a difficulty that you've walked through. Could be your education, could be your love for outdoors or a certain type of music. This all isn't just the things you like. It can be become common ground that you can connect with someone else over and that can become a doorway to the gospel in someone else's life. So this is common ground. Are you with me? And this is what the Lord has called us to experience and find. This is what the apostle Paul was reading into and leaning into. This is why some people were pointing at him concerned because they didn't understand what he was doing. This is what Jesus was doing in his ministry when he was with people. And like, what is he doing with them? Often it was he's finding common ground so he could reveal who he was. He could meet them where they are so that they could be transformed. So what's the problem if we want to get to common ground? The problem why we need to get this in our hearts is because of something I would like to call the bubble mentality. Say bubble mentality. We live in a bubble mentality sometimes in the church. We can come to Jesus and something happens to us. inadvertently, accidentally maybe, But if we're not careful, we can find ourselves too uncomfortable to want to go to common ground. And so the Lord wants to do something with us today. And uh, when I think about the bubble mentality, it reminds me of an experience I had a few uh, months ago with my children. And they went to uh, a birthday party. And we went to this birthday party. It was amazing. They had animals that you could pet. They had a lot of activities and fun. But about halfway through this party, the host said, hey, kids, I want everyone to go stand by the driveway and look in the driveway. And so they did. And then some music kicked on. And I thought, what's happening? And then a van comes backing into the driveway. And I thought, okay. And then the person in the van presses a button to bring up the tailgate of the van. And all these lights and music and bubbles start flying out of the back of the van. I'm thinking, what in the world is going on right now? I'm thinking the Lord's about to return. I don't know what is happening. Um, so these bubbles come out. And this is this bubble experience that you could have at a birthday party for kids. And for the next half an hour to 45 minutes, I saw more things happening with bubbles than I thought was humanly possible. I mean, there were power tools and other things and making bubble art. And the kids were enamored. My son, Josiah, he kept cutting the line in front of all the other kids because he wanted all the bubbles. He just wanted everything. We had to teach, uh, teach him to, to make sure he was waiting his turn but there was one moment in the middle of that where they brought all the kids and made them stand in line they said every kid can come and they had this ring on the ground and they had each kid step into the ring and then they were able to form a bubble around you and so I want to show you I took a couple videos one of them is of Lily and her experience in the bubble so just take a look at this right here it's pretty precious so let's show it one more time. It happened so quickly, even though I did in slow motion. That's her in the bubble. I actually froze the frame. I think here I have a photo of it. Look at her inside of the bubble. This picture stood out to me this week as I'm working on this message because I feel like sometimes what can happen inadvertently is we come to Jesus and we love Jesus and we get into the church and we just put a bubble around ourselves and we just say, Now I'm in it. I'm in the club, I'm in heaven. And let me just go and live my life comfortably in this bubble. And we just embrace our comfort zone. And we're like, thank God you saved me out of the world, Lord. Don't ever, ever, ever let me go back there. And therefore, Lord, just put me in the bubble. And we live out our days in the bubble. And, uh, and I think God wants to do something. And I want to show you JoJo's experience in the bubble. So let's just see JoJo right here. Watch what happens with him. We had to literally tell him, Jojo, quit it. Quit popping it. So then they brought it up. But look look at this one photo of him. This is him. As soon as, the, as, soon as, the, if, as, soon as that bubble tries to form, he just pops it. Come on. Say it with me. Be like Jojo. <laughs> Be like Jojo today. Pop the bubble. Burst the bubble. Because here's what I want you to know. The bubble becomes our comfort zone. And we're not called to comfort zones. We're called to follow Christ. And often if we're going to follow Christ, it isn't going to happen from a comfort zone. It's going to happen by obeying our calling. There will come a time, as a follower of Jesus, we have to choose between our calling and our comfort. And I just believe that if we're willing to step out of the bubble, into the places that God wants us to get to, we're going to get to common ground. And so that's what I want to talk about today in in these moments that we have in front of us. And that's why I want you to turn to John chapter 4, because I want you to know, this wasn't just the Apostle Paul doing something that's like unique. This is him modeling his life After the example of Jesus. And I want you to know something today. Although the religious people and maybe even some church people were upset at the Apostle Paul. When I look at what he was doing. And I look at what Jesus was doing. I'm okay to offend someone if I'm doing what Jesus was doing. Are you with me today? I'm willing to be uncomfortable if I'm following Jesus' example in how he wants me to move and live my life. And if we want to get to common ground, we might have to get uncomfortable. Are you ready? Come on, is somebody ready to get uncomfortable? Yeah, a few of you are. But let's pray we all are by the end of this word today. So we're going to look at six things that I believe are essential for you to get to common ground and make the most of it. Because it isn't just about finding that common ground or, oh, I know a hobby. No, it's about us seeing people experience life change. Some of the best life change happens from common ground. You're going to see the lives of people in and around you that will be transformed because of the common ground that God has planted you in together. So I want us to learn how to make the most of it. And there are six things we're going to find in John chapter 4 that are going to help us make the most of it. The first principle, and I'd encourage you, take notes, type it down, put it in your phone, put it somewhere so you can look back on this. The first principle is this. Trade your comfort zone for common ground. It all starts with a decision. Every day when you wake up, when you decide where you're going and what you're moving into, you have to choose between the comfort zone and the common ground. Lord, do I want to find common ground today? Do I want to be used by you? Lord, lead me. If we're going to be led by the Spirit, we're going to end up moving. He's going to pull us to common ground. He's going to want to pull us out of our comfort zone. He's going to to lead us to places where he desires to set up divine appointments in the lives of others. So let's look here in John chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. We see Jesus with his disciples are traveling. And here's what it says in verse 3. So Jesus left from Judea and he returned to Galilee. He left from Judea, and he returned to Galilee. So let's just understand what that means. Now, if you look at a map of Israel, and I have a map here that we can put up so you can get a look at in ancient Israel, you're going to see the the route that the Jewish people would normally take to go from Judea to Galilee. So let's just go ahead and throw that up on the screen if you can see it uh, here with me. Um, This is a map, and this would show the route that the Jewish people would take to get from Judea. You'll see it down Down south is Judea, and then going up north is Galilee. Now, normally, the best way from one point to another is a direct route. Are you with me? What do you notice about this line? It's curved. There's a lot of extra miles that are added in here. Why? Simply put, because Jewish people hated Samaritans. And there was one big problem between Judea and Galilee, and it's called Samaria. Samaria. And Jewish people would do everything in their power, even if it meant traveling an extra day or two, to avoid going through Samaria. Why? Because that was outside the comfort zone. Are you with me today? That was outside the Jewish bubble. Look what it says about Jesus in verse 4. Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria on the way. Aren't you thankful that the Lord had to go through Samaria? Because he isn't thinking about bubbles. He is thinking about breakthrough. <laughs> he is thinking about lives that need to be transformed. He had to go through Samaria. I want you to know, if you're going to be led by the Spirit, you're going to have to go through Samaria. You're going to have to step into some places that are outside your comforts. And why? Because there's common ground waiting there. So I want you just to look at the difference between the, root of Je- the Jewish people and the root of Jesus. You'll see he goes right through the heart of Samaria. He goes right through it. He cuts straight through. He's not going to sit here tiptoe around. He's cutting straight through. And as he's in the middle, in the heart of Samaria, the Bible says, he goes to a village named Sychar, and there's a special piece of land there. There is some common ground between the Jews and the the Samaritans. You know what that common ground is? A plot of land that had a well, Jacob's well from the Old Testament. And guess what? The Jewish people and the Samaritans, they all had common ground in Jacob. They both would see him as a father of their faith. They both looked to him. So there was common ground, and Jesus, of all places, found himself on that common ground on that day. And the Bible said when he went there, it was about noontime. Now, what's important about this? Jesus went to a well at noontime. If you've ever been to a rural part of the world a different country that maybe doesn't have access to clean uh, drinking water or running water, you'll find that people still uh, will find wells and drink from wells or have other sources. Unfortunately, some of them uh, can actually cause sickness and death. That's why we here at Evangel, part of our mission's emphasis is to help bring clean water around the world. And I've been to different parts of Africa. I've been to South Africa, to Tanzania, to Uganda, to Togo, to Ghana. And in different places, we've been to villages where people have to walk to get clean water. And here's the one thing I realized at every one. There is no one going to get water at noontime. You are not seeing that. In any of my experiences, you're just not seeing it. Why? Because it's the hottest part of the day. Why? Because it's not practical. It's not good to interrupt the middle of your day when you could be resting, when you could be doing anything else productive to now go and fetch water where sometimes you're walking an hour or so each way. So they would go in the early morning or they go in the cool of the day at the end of the day. Why would someone go there at noontime? Well, Jesus just said he had to go. You know why he was there? Because there was a divine appointment waiting for him. But there was someone else that would soon show up. Verse 7 says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. So here she is in the hottest part of the day. Why do people go to places where no one else will be at inconvenient times? Because they don't want to run into anyone. They don't want to be seen. We get to learn that this woman has a life and a reputation that would be known among the people. She had five husbands and a man she was now with wasn't her husband. She had a brokenness in her own life. We don't know anything else about her challenges, but what's clear about the time of day is that she's going somewhere and doesn't want to be seen. I'm thankful that even when we're in our brokenness and we want to run and hide, there is a God in heaven who won't stop pursuing us, who will put himself in our path and will be willing to meet us right at our point of need. And not only will he put himself in our path, he'll put another believer who is listening and led by his spirit in our path, to meet us, to have a divine appointment. That's what's happening here in John 4. And so you get to that place where there's common ground. You get to that place where maybe there's an awkwardness. Jesus' disciples had gone into town to buy food, the Bible says. So Jesus is alone at this well with a woman, with a history. Is somebody with me right now? And they're alone, and he's Jewish and she's Samaritan. I'm telling you, the intensity of the awkwardness is at a 12 in this situation. And they're sitting there. And I don't know about you. Anyone love awkwardness? I don't like awkwardness. Sometimes we don't know what to say and do in awkward situations. But we learn our second key. And I want you to know, when it comes time to find common ground or when it comes to times where God may put you in a situation and you start to sense or you become aware, Lord, I think you want to do something here, but I, it's just so awkward. I don't know what to do. The second thing you can do after stepping out of your comfort zone into common ground, is you can cultivate through conversation. Somebody say cultivate. Cultivate means we're turning up the soil. Are you with me today? It means we're digging something up. The easiest way to cultivate, no matter how awkward, no matter how hard the ground might be, is through conversation. Is just through opening your mouth. And so what does Jesus do? He asks a question. He asks one question. Can I have a drink of water? And out of that one question, it opens up an entire conversation that leads to life change and transformation. I want you to know, some of you, you may feel like there are people God's put you around. You're like, I don't know anything about them. I don't have anything connected with them. You, for some of you, you're one conversation away from common ground. You are one conversation. May told me about a doctor's appointment when she was at recently. And she's sitting there and she had seen someone she had seen before. So she thought it peculiar now to run into that person again in a different time, in a different place and thought, all right, Lord, maybe there's something here. What did she do? I think she asked one question. She made one statement. She got the ball rolling. Within a few seconds, we begin to find out that, hey, um, yeah, we, we are from Pittsburgh. We went to visit Pittsburgh. Oh, my husband uh, is from Pittsburgh. Now we're talking about amusement parks and all kinds of other things. Now there's a connection. Sometimes we're just one conversation away from common ground. It's closer than we think. So you have to be willing to cultivate through conversation. You have to be willing to dig in and be a part of that. To be willing to just step in and have that conversation. You might find for some, the ground is hard and they're resistant. You might find for some, as soon as the shovel of conversation hits, they open right up. And it's out of that that you could start to really learn and understand those connection points. Those common ground places. Now as we do that, it means to move us into our next place. This is the third thing we begin to see. Once you begin to cultivate and you have that connection in some way, build relational bridges. Build relational bridges. It's not just about having a superficial conversation, but if the Lord is putting someone in your life, build relationship with them. See if that point of common ground can actually bridge towards a relationship in some way. You know, I put up that list again. Just so you can think about this, of all those areas that could be common ground for you and someone else. Let's take a look at that or think about this as I'm sharing. You know, whether it's your hobbies or your work or activities or, you know, what is it? Oh, you like to grill? Oh, you enjoy that? I do too. You know, let's, let's have a barbecue together. Let's hang out. Let's enjoy that. Listen, to anyone who loves Rhodesia, we have common ground. Let's go eat it sometime. Uh, to anyone who loves a certain kind of meal or a certain kind of sport or activity, if you're a Steelers fan, we have common ground already, my friend. Let's talk. Let's talk about how they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Amen? Um, Whatever it might be. Man, it got real quiet in here. I thought you guys were going to laugh with me. It's okay. Um, So anyways, you know, all all these things can become common ground. Build relationship forward from it. Build a relational bridge. Step into it. And this is what can get in the way for, for some Christians. Because for some of us, it's like, but... There's that, whoa, but, I mean, their lifestyle is about that, but there's this, but there's that going on. And what we have to be honest with, if we're honest, can I be honest with you? Okay, I'll be honest with you over here because you said I could. Um, I don't know if everyone else is ready for this. But as a church, the church, we become really good at majoring on our differences with the world, with the people that don't know Christ. Man, but they're like this. But they're like, they're also, they don't know Jesus as well. So we, they, they, they are living apart from him. They don't have the same hope that we have. Therefore, they don't have the same values that we have. Therefore, there's so many things that are disconnected. And we just become majoring to the point of being disconnected. But we have to get to common ground. There are some things that, there are connection points. Those connection points the Lord could actually use to draw someone to himself and to help them experience who he is to help experience the good news of the gospel. John Maxwell, who's an incredible author, writer, I had a chance to sit with him recently and listen, and he, he, he leads so many people every year to the Lord in high places of influence and leadership. And he, he, he builds that relationship, and he said this. He said, I practice the 101 principle. And I thought, the 101 principle. He said, for many of us, we want to major on the differences, but what I do is this. I find the 1% that we have in common and I give 100% of my energy to it. And I find that one point of connection, and I just give what I can to build that relationship so that I can be Christ to them and hopefully help lead them towards that life change in him. And I just love that. And I thought about Jesus here in John chapter 4. You have Jesus, sinless from the Father, has never sinned, has never compromised. He's lived out in perfect submission the will of the Father. And you have this woman who is broken, who has sin in her life, who maybe in this moment is far from God, there's so much that they have that is different. But there was one thing that day that they both had in common. I'm thirsty. You're thirsty. Let's talk. Jesus used that point of thirst to be the jump-off point for a conversation that would lead her to transformation. Come on, if the Son of God, if Jesus could find common ground with someone who experienced that much brokenness, you're telling me we can't find common ground with the people God's put in our lives. God help us. Lord, we need your help. We need you to give us your heart and your eyes to see. And as we find our way to that common ground, as we experience, that's what the Apostle Paul was doing. He's like, Look, with the Jewish people, I live so much of my life there. We got common ground. With the Gentile, I get it. I understand. Whatever it is, yes, I like that. You're a Roman citizen. I'm a Roman citizen. We can connect on that. To the weak. I have a thorn in my flesh. I understand weakness. Come on. Let's talk. Like he just found common ground. Why? Because he wanted to get to that point where he could introduce every one of them to Jesus. I want to live that way. How about you? I want to experience that. And so the next thing we have to do, and this is what the Apostle Paul would do, what Jesus certainly did, and what we must do if we're going to do this. Once you get to common ground, once you've cultivated, once you've built relationship, make sure that you sow spiritual seeds. Sow spiritual seeds. I want you to know, spiritual seeds. I didn't say plant giant spiritual oak trees. I didn't say swing spiritual bats. Are you with me right now? Plant spiritual seeds. You know, for for me, my son's now in T-ball. So I have a lot of common ground. Literally, I'm standing in the same place for about an hour, multiple times a week with the same people, over and over again. I have common ground. Now, planting spiritual seeds is not me saying, hey, your son, uh, he missed the base when he was running. And you know, the Bible said we've all missed the glory of God. And if he doesn't, and you don't get right, hell's waiting. Come on, let's go talk. That's not planting spiritual seeds. Are you with me right now? It's building that relationship. Often, what we'll see happen that's very beautiful and can be very powerful, is not always when you just have to come out and tell someone about your faith, but when you've been able to create a curiosity within them that they have to say, can you tell me more about that? Can you tell me more about why you do what you do? That it creates, so this is what Jesus did so well in this moment. He asked the woman for water. She turns it back on him. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She's like, what are you talking about, living water? He said, listen, everyone who drinks this water is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. And it will become a well of life springing up to eternal life. And she's like, can I please have that? <laughs> I'll have some of that. She said, and she's still selfishly thinking because I don't want to come back to this well anymore. She has no idea what Jesus is talking about. But he's planting something and working that. And so for some of us, we need to realize that as we're doing this, that if you're willing to live your life, to be open, to be vulnerable, to share. When they share something, say, you know, I'm going to pray for you. You know, whenever you share something, you know what? I have a a service everyone's in it, and we have a prayer meeting. Well, I'm going to pray for you if that's okay. Can I take that request? Or, Or other things like that, that you're just planting seeds, spiritual seeds over and over again. Guess what? The Lord can do a lot with that. He can begin to water that. He can begin to draw that. And when the time comes right, we can experience life change in someone's life. So don't be afraid to sow in spiritual seeds. Plant them all along the way because people will start asking questions. They'll start leaning in. Now, as you do that, this is where some of you in the message is saying, Pastor, I'm hearing you, but I'm not not buying it. I don't know. This feels like compromise to me. This feels like, come on, we're going to be over here with all these different people and maybe we're, you know, are we, are we, it's a slippery slope or whatever the question might be. Here's, here's the, the fifth key, the fifth essential thing that must happen is you remain rooted in truth everywhere that you go. Finding common ground is not the same as compromising truth. You don't become someone different in the sense of who you are. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Look, Jewish, Gentile, whether I'm going to eat some pork or I'm going to sit over here, I'm going to do this. That is different than me sinning and disobeying the law of Christ. I know the difference. The Apostle Paul says, trust me, I haven't done that. So you remain rooted in truth. For some of us, we we, we can get conditioned to this idea of this bubble. Jesus prayed for his followers. I'm not sure if you remember this in John 17, but it's so powerful when we think about this. Here's what he says. He talks about the challenges in his prayer to the father that his followers are going to experience. But then he prays something. He said, Father, I'm do not. i not asking you to take them out of the world. Come on, read that out loud. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. He said, they don't belong to this world. We don't belong to this world. We get that if you're a follower of Jesus, right? But we have to be in this world. And if we're in this world, we have a purpose in this world. To help others see him. So he said, don't take them. Say, don't take them. Make them. The next one is, make them holy. By your truth. Your word is truth. Don't take them out of this world. Just make them holy. Root them in your truth. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. Remember that? Stay rooted in my truth. It is entirely possible for you to stand in a place of common ground and have your way about yourself where you remain true to, uh, true to who God is and what God's word says. And yet you love and you reach out and you sow seeds and you build relationship and you about yourself are consistent in that. Yes, you can be pliable to say, I can connect with you over sports and I can connect with you over this and that, but man, I am who I am in Jesus always. I remain rooted in his truth. And as we do that, the Lord does so much in and through us. Again, identifying common ground, this message today is not the same as compromising truth. That's not consistent. That's not what the Lord would call us to. So Jesus gets to the truth. And I'll invite the worship team to come at this time. He says, listen, you want this living water? Go get your husband. She said, oh, um... I don't have a husband. Jesus said, Yeah, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you're with right now, he is not your husband. So what you said is certainly truth. Jesus blew up her spot. Come on, somebody. That's awkward. She, and all she has to say is, I guess you're a prophet. <laughs> That's like, the, I guess you must be a prophet um, because he read her mail. So Jesus did not shy away from the truth. But here's what I want you to know number one, he didn't lead with that truth. He didn't leave. He didn't come out of the gate and say, hey, sinful woman, give me a a drink. No, 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 come on. You got five, come on. Give me a drink. Like, he didn't do that. He walked along and he never, he didn't shy away from it. For some of us, man, it's not, it's not this 30-second transaction. We have to be willing to walk with people to help them experience the truth of who he is. And and at the right time, the Lord's going to put you in that position. And let's pray that when you bring the truth, the relational bridges you built, help them to know you care enough to share that truth. And there's enough relationship there to walk them along it. I'm the byproduct of that. I had a friend. The reason I'm in Christ is because we were friends for months. But then he got to one night where he literally said, man, what do you think about hell? What do you think about this? And what do you think? about?" And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. But I I was uncomfortable, but I loved him enough that it wasn't going to hurt my relationship with him because I knew everything he said was because he deeply cared about me. And I didn't accept Jesus that day, but a few months later, I walked to an altar and gave my heart to the Lord because he didn't give up on me. And man, if he would have started there, I don't know if I would have been friends with him. Can I be honest with you? That would have been day one or day two or day five or one weekend. I would have said, I don't think so. This is a little weird. But because we had that journey and that relationship and that common ground and those bridges— I'm here today. Surrendered life to Christ. Are you with me? Come on, the Lord can do it in your life as well. Stay true. I got to see his life. I got to see the way he lived his life. I got to see the way he loved God. And I and I almost wanted in some way what he had, but I didn't know what it was. So you remain rooted in that truth in the, the final one. This is so powerful because everything I said is so amazing. And it's this incredible moment of, of like, you know, this woman hearing the truth. But Jesus didn't just leave her with the truth, like you're in sin, you're broken, here's what's wrong with you. He then gave her the truth of the answer. He said, yes, this is the condition, but I've already told you, if you ask me, I'll give you living water. You don't have to thirst after that brokenness anymore. And she said, well, one day when the Messiah comes, maybe he'll figure this all out. Maybe one day, When the Messiah comes, he'll tell us and explain it to us. And Jesus said, the person you've been talking to is the Messiah. It's me. He said, I am that one. And it changed her life forever. And she would never be the same. Now here's where the awkward moment comes. Here's where the cold water gets doused on everything. The disciples come back. Are you with me right now still, church? Come on, two more minutes. The disciples are there. They come walking up, and they see Jew- Jewish Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman who had maybe even had a reputation. We don't, we don't know the full extent of what's going on here. But just enough for Jesus alone with a woman is scandalous. It is scandalous. And they come walking, and they're like, what is going on here? It says when they came back, they were shocked to see Jesus talking with this woman. But no one had the nerve to ask him, "What do you want with her? Why are you talking to her?" No one could do that because he's the rabbi. He's the teacher. He's the leader. So they don't know what to do. And the Bible says the woman just went running. She left her water jar. She forgot why she even came because she found the living water. Was she need that water jar anymore for it. She found something. She goes running. She starts telling everyone about what happened. But the disciples, they don't know what to make of it. So they, they ask the awkward conversation. Remember I said, the best thing you could do if there's an awkward place, just ask a question. They say, Jesus, do you want something to eat? <laughs> do you want some food? Do you want to eat something? You know, man, what Jesus said. It's the same way as the woman. He's like, there's, a, there's something I have to drink that you don't know anything about. For his disciples, he said, listen, I have food that you don't know anything about. I have food that you knew nothing of. And then they literally say, maybe, maybe someone brought him some food. I mean, it's right here in the text. Maybe someone brought him some food. When we were gone, it's, it's, it's Sunday. How did they get him Chick-fil-A? I don't understand. What's going on? You know, they don't understand what's going on here. And then Jesus says it. He said, my nourishment comes from doing the will of the Father who sent me and finishing his work. He said, look, you hear the saying, four more months till the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and wake up. The harvest is right here. So this is what he said. He said, I'm hungry for a harvest. You're hungry for something else. I hunger for the harvest. That is the sixth thing we have to experience if we're going to get to common ground. We have to hunger for the harvest. We have to hunger to see people come to know Jesus. He said, that's what satisfies me. That's what I want. That's what I long for. To finish the work. To do what he calls us to do. He literally says, going on verse 36, what joy awaits the planter and the harvester. He said, I'm sending you into a field to harvest in a place you didn't even plant. The work's already been done. And guess what happened over the next two days as the disciples stood there with Jesus? Crowds of people streamed to them and gave their hearts to Jesus and said, we now believe, not because of what this woman said. We've seen it for ourselves. We know this is the Savior of the world. They got to be a part of the harvest because someone else planted the seeds. Come on, stand to your feet with me this morning. Are you hungry for the harvest today? Are you hungry to see... You know, for these disciples, they had no idea. All they could see was an awkward situation. All they could see is like, we're in Samaria. What is going on? And Jesus had to awaken them to this one reality. You are where you are today for the harvest. You are where you are for the harvest. For some of you, you're in a Samaria. You're in an uncomfortable job situation. You're in an uncomfortable relationship. You're in a place and you're experiencing hardship or challenge. And you're saying, God, why can't I get out of here? Why can't I go over here? What if Jesus would say to you like he did to his disciples, you are where you are for the harvest I've prepared there. Open your eyes and look. Get ready. Sow seeds. Cultivate ground. Have conversations. Build bridges because a harvest is coming. It's not someday, it's now. And so he's put you, some of you, right where you're at because he's prepared a harvest there. Someone else has been sowing into the life of a person that's in your life today. And as you build common ground God's going to show you the harvest because you're going to be the one to see them come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And for others of you, you're going to plant seeds in someone's life through that conversation in common ground that maybe days or years later, someone else is going to see the harvest. But I know that if we're faithful, everything planted, we're going to see the harvest. We're going to see God's faithfulness. We're going to see it. So we got to quit seeing it as a hardship and start seeing it as a harvest. Amen? we got to start seeing it as the opportunity of what God wants to do. Come on, would you lift your hands with me to heaven? Let's just begin to pray right now. Close your eyes with me. I want to pray for you in just a moment. As the worship team begins to play and prepare for us just to spend a few moments in God's presence, I want to invite you to be ready to take a step. I said today that we have to burst the bubble. I'm saying today that you have to step out of your comfort zone. I believe some of you are just one step away from seeing some amazing things happen through your life. Not because of how good you are, how eloquent you are, but because you're just willing to follow Jesus out of your comfort zone to wherever he'll lead you. You're willing to find common ground. You're willing to be used by him. And so I'm asking you today, here in Woodbridge, wherever you are, to take a step. I'm going to invite you If you're within the sound of my voice and you can get to this altar in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to step out of your seat and come to the altar. I believe that defining moments call for a decisive action. And I believe that today even coming to an altar here in Woodbridge's or, or even wherever you find yourself, getting before the Lord, just taking a step. It's that symbolic step to say, Lord, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. And Lord, I'm coming to you saying, Lord, I want you to lead me. Let's go to Samaria. Let's go to the hard places. Anywhere you'll lead me, Lord, let's just, let's go. Let's go find common ground. And if you do, I want to just pray for you. And I'm going to pray specifically that God's going to anoint us. That God's presence is going to go before us. That God's going to put a fire in our hearts to do what he wants to do. So come on, if that's you, would you just come right now? And I'm believing God's going to do something special as we pray. So come on, if you're if you're ready, just come. Just step out of your seat. Come to this altar. If you're in the balcony, you come. If you're in an overflow, just come. If you're outside and you're comfortable, come on in. If not, just come even towards the front, and someone will pray with you. If you're in Woodbridge, just come right now. Let's step out and let's just get ready to be used by the Lord. Jesus, Lord God, Jesus, we thank you, Lord. You're so good, Lord. Come on, just come right where you're at. If there's any more, just come from the balcony. We'll wait for you. I want to pray for you. Jesus. Others, if God's just speaking this into your heart, just begin to pray right now. If God's put something, if you felt he's pricked your heart about this message, like, Lord, I, you've convicted me, Lord, about this one area, just begin to pray right now. But if you're here and you're ready to come, just come. We're going to pray for you. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Come on, church family, let's just begin to pray right now. Would you extend your hand towards anyone that's at an altar space right now? If this message is really with you and you can't come for whatever reason, just uh, lift your hands to heaven right now. I want to pray over you that the Holy Spirit is going to anoint you in this hour, in this moment. Thank you, Lord, that you are the Lord of the harvest, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that you call us. Lord, out of our comfort, into our calling, Lord God, into the place that you would have for us to be, to make a difference for eternity, to live on mission. Oh, Lord, we make ourselves available to you today. Oh, Lord, we just, we, we step out of our bubble. We step out of our comfort zone, Lord God. We step into the calling that you have for us, Lord God. Use my life, Jesus, I pray. Use me and lead me and speak to me, Lord God, and plant me in places, Lord God, where I can make a difference for you. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray above everything else, everyone within the sound of my voice, would you light a fire in their hearts. Lord, if they got nothing else, Lord God, may they just become someone that is hungry for a harvest, Lord God, that hungers to be used by you, that hungers, that their heart breaks, Lord God, for those that are far from you. God, help us, Lord God, if you put people in our lives that are close to us and yet their lives are heading towards an eternity without you, Lord. Help us, Lord. Break our hearts, Lord God, that we could help them to know you. Use our lives, Lord. Use our interests. Use all this common ground, Lord God. And may seeds turn into harvests, Lord God, in the lives of many. We give you ourselves, Lord God. We give you all the glory, and we pray that you would use us in these days, that, Lord, this house will be full of testimonies of lives that are being transformed. Oh, Lord, I pray for some of us that, Lord, we cling to your truth and we lead with that. We lead heavy with it sometimes. We need your grace, Lord God. We need your heart of compassion. We need to be full of truth and grace. Lord, I pray for some of us that our, our hearts overflow, Lord God, with compassion. And we shy sometimes, Lord. We're uncomfortable to bring that truth, Lord God. Help us, Lord God. Root us in your truth, Lord God. Help us, Jesus, to represent you well everywhere that we are. And Lord, as you change lives, we'll give you all the glory. We give you all that we are today. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, would you praise the Lord with me this morning? We thank you, Lord. Listen, if you're at this altar, we want to continue to pray with you. If you want to come and you didn't come forward, we'd love to pray with you. If you're battling something in your life, we'd love to pray with you. But if not, you are free to go. We will hope you'll join us on Wednesday night and next Sunday morning. I hope if you're new, you'll stop out of the tent so we can greet you. If you have questions about the Lord or prayer, stop at our table. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. God bless you. We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next week.